thrills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Welcome back, Throw ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills preview podcast here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. Not Bills and Beers today, but perhaps Bills and Three Martinis as we are coming to you lunch hour here on a Thursday afternoon from the Hotel Felix in River North, Chicago. I'm Lars. Joining me today, Billy the Kid Nichols. Hello, hello, hello. And we have an exciting win over the Carolina Panthers to talk about. We all saw it. We all heard about it. Bill, real quick, let's take a look. Let's take a listen to John Murphy's call on that beautiful, beautiful touchdown grab by Stevie Johnson. Six seconds. Game on the line right here. Second and one from the two. Manual. He'll work in the shotgun. The snap. DJ looks left. Fires into the end zone. Got a man there. Touchdown! Stevie Johnson! Touchdown! Touchdown! He did it! He did it! EJ Manuel did it all the way down the field! Boy, that really was a thing of beauty. Big win over the Carolina Panthers. Big come from behind victory for our rookie quarterback. Big confidence booster here as we go into our second division game of the year. We're going to talk all about it. Find us on iTunes. Subscribe to our podcast, BillsAndBeers.com. That'll take you directly to our Facebook page. Tell everyone you know. And Bill, let's talk some Buffalo Bills football. Yeah, baby. This is Bills and Beers. We're going to talk about the Bills' win over the Carolina Panthers. And in staying with the beer theme, Bill, let's start right off the bat. Who was your Labatt Blue MVP of Sunday's matchup? I'm going to go ahead and give that uh, Labatt Blue MVP to EJ Manuel. Uh, An obvious choice, but one that cannot be uh, denied. Uh, He had a fantastic game, uh, even though Pro Football Focus wants to um, rate his uh, or their analysis says that he had like a uh, you know below average game. Obviously, they did not take into account the fact that uh, he was a leader out there. He minimized the number of mistakes, and when the ball was in his hands at the end of the game, he made it happen and won the game. Interesting. Uh, it is. A, it's a good call. He did, however, make some pretty bad throws. He's not there. When when asked about his performance and asked if he had arrived, Marone pretty much responded with laughter. Uh, I agree with you. He had a great game. And for a rookie quarterback to come in and do what he did with a minute 30 and no timeouts left, well, again, we haven't seen that in Buffalo in quite some time. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give my Labatt Blue MVP to a player who got it last week also. Um, I think the obvious choice is to give it to Mario Williams, but I'm going Leotis McKelvin again. great game. Because I am going to hammer this point home. We drafted the guy in 2008, and he was known for his man coverage, and, of course, he was for the next two years of his career, thrust right into a zone scheme, uh, and then had, from 2010 through 2012, absolute jabronis coaching him out there. Now this new coach, Donnie Henderson, who followed Mike Pettin from New York, seems to have gotten every ounce of talent from Leotis McKelvin that exists, which we have said on this program all along is a lot of talent. Well, he- it's and, and, and it's huge. I mean... And once Gilmore went down and uh, in Brooks as well, we were looking at that uh, defensive backfield and thinking to ourselves, my gosh, like we got Leotis. Is he going to even be able to, you know, cover these guys? Is he going to be able to step up his game? And he has done everything, um, you know, we could could ever ask for and more. Um, Actually being a playmaker, you know, and not just sort of hanging in there, but, but, you know, having huge, huge pass breakups and just, you know, playing, you know, really, really well. And that's precisely the point. When the chips were down, when he needed to fill in for Gilmore, he has done so and done so in spades. 
I cannot wait to see what happens when Gilmore is back. And those two are our cornerback tandem. And I can't wait to see what happens when Jairus Bird joins those two and see what this defensive backfield can do. Quick editorial note here, or I should say production note. We are in the hotel lobby at the Hotel Felix, so if you hear some strange background noise, we apologize. Not ideal recording recording conditions today, but we'll take it as we can get them. So, Bill, on that note, who is your Genesee cream ale? Le- what, do we, what do we call this? Loser of the week? Uh, Least ale, um, Bummer of the week? We'll just go with bummer of the week. Who is your bummer of the week? Brought to us by Genesee Cream Ale. Janky performance. Janky, yeah, just absolute boner. Who, who was it? I'm going to go with a guy who I'm still waiting to hear his name. Um, I think you're going to say the person I was going to say. Well, uh, mine is TJ Graham. Yep, okay, now I've got to think of a new one. Well, it, it's, uh, we were excited for him, right? And, uh, and you know, seeing number 11 out there and his, and his speed, we've sort of been wait, waiting for for him to uh, to emerge, and for whatever reason, it could have been the scheme. They could have, however, uh, they were uh, the Panthers were defending, took him out of the game, and obviously, uh, you know, Stevie and uh, even Chandler had a couple, and everyone sort of had their opportunities. Um, uh, you know, Robert Woods as well, but TJ has. I mean, does he have any catches? I think he has a single catch this season. But a lot of people are pointing to him on that uh, Luke Keekley interception in the fourth quarter because he didn't really finish his route or come back to the ball as he should have. Now, a lot of that's on E.J. Manuel, but uh, T.J.'s got to help him out there. Yeah, so uh, you know, who knows what's going on behind the scenes there and, uh, and why he's struggling, uh, if, there's any, if it's the defenses and, and what they're doing, if it's you know, his own um, you know, lack of... Uh, of um, you know playmaking ability, or you know, is it EJ who's who's not simply not finding uh, TJ when he's uh, when he's open, or or just looking looking elsewhere? But one way or another, he's got he's got he's got to step up his game, and uh, I'm sure he's listening this week and does not want to be the Genesee Cream Ale loser of the week next week. So let's expect uh, TJ to step up his game this week. Agreed. Uh, and as you were saying there, I thought, you know, again, for the second straight week, I think Colin Brown is an obvious recipient of this. That guy is just struggling hard. He's bad. Uh, Doug Ligurski is back to work. Uh, he's back in practice. I don't know how much of an improvement he'll be. I think that going into this next offseason left guard will certainly be something that we're going to be looking to address. Uh, but as you were talking, I thought, again, that this belongs to Scott Chandler, but I'm not going to give it to him two weeks in a row. Uh, he, he also looked pretty poor again on Sunday, but... I'm going to give it to uh, Dan Carpenter, who I knew was going to shank that first field goal. I've always been uneasy about having a guy who was cut right before the season, having to rely on that guy for three points, particularly in critical situations, which thankfully we haven't had to yet. Now, he did make up for the the miss with the 55-yarder that he booted through with more than enough space to to fill. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) he missed one field goal. so No, 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 it doesn't end there. He missed the field goal, and he also had a terrible squib kick to end the game. Yeah, I wonder what the deal with that was. Where Did, did you read anything about that as far yes. as? Okay, well, so the rule is, on any kickoff, you can down it, and you can give yourself up, and no time will run off the clock. Or like one, or I think it's actually with a certain amount of time or less left on the clock, only a second runs is off. That, is that where they told him to kick the ball? Absolutely not. Okay. I, can, I cannot imagine they did. I mean, he would have been better off booting it out the back of the end zone and making them go from the 20 as opposed to well, – they were at, like, the 40-yard line. And when you got Cam Newton who can throw the ball 75 yards exactly. from his knees, 
that, that I mean that was that was a poorly executed squib kick. And while it didn't end up costing us the game, I mean that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about when the game's on the line. Can we rely on this shaggy-haired idiot from Miami? I mean, if that was the Patriots playing against us and the Panthers, and that happened, you know, Tom Brady would have found a way to throw that ball in the right spot. Someone would have come up, you know, grabbed it, some miraculous thing, and you know, and we were at the bar, and it was nothing but celebrations there with with two seconds left. I know I looked in, in, in your eyes, you looked in my eyes, and it wasn't a loving thing. It was like, this okay, game not this game is not over. Yeah. Every other team in the league looks at that two seconds and is like, you know, let's just let's grab a celebratory beer, and we're sitting there biting our nails. And I mean, know. we even were proud of the extra point. Right. And, that's, and um, you haven't watched it yet, but uh, Doug Marone's like, immediate reaction after Stevie Johnson made the uh, touchdown grab was – Still got to kick that extra point. And again, Dan Carpenter, I don't, if I recall correctly, he didn't even like, put it through cleanly. But either way, it didn't end up hurting us. We ended up getting the win. Uh, and actually, one thing of note on that last play before we move on to talk about the Jets, what did we see? We brought our rookie linebacker on a delayed blitz, and he got the sack. More often than not, you see everybody just drop 11 guys 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, and then you end up in these wacky plays where the ball's getting lobbed around and lateraled back, and it's like, oh, God, here we go. You know, anything can go wrong when when chaos is in the air. But instead, we brought the heat. And I wish more coaches would do that because, you know, they have to wait for the play to develop. We knew that they were going to run long routes, so we brought Kiko Alonso on a delayed blitz, and he laid the wood on Cam Newton. It was a thing of beauty. Uh, and when it comes to sacking the quarterback, I do think we have a fun weekend ahead of us with Geno Smith on the other side of the line of scrimmage. We'll talk about that now. So, uh, obviously, we've got a few uh, different interesting storylines this week, one of which is... Geno Smith versus EJ Manuel. And not going to lie, I, I can't even believe, it's one of those things that when people talk about, and when people were talking about Mark Sanchez and like him being like reasonably good, that was a complete joke. And we all saw it and we're like, no, no chance, this guy sucks, right? And we saw him so many times. We couldn't believe when different announcers were talking about the fact that he still had potential in the NFL. In a similar sense, while I think that Geno Smith is not as bad as Mark Sanchez, we're going to absolutely destroy him. And I am 100% happy with our pick of EJ Manuel. And I am 100% happy that we do not have Geno Smith on our team. Totally agreed. Um, and I knew that the Patriots game, like Patriots games 10-2, was going to be an absolute headache. It was. Uh, I knew that this Carolina game was going to be tough. It was going to be a hard game for our offense uh, and that stopping Cam Newton was going to present its challenges. All those things came to fruition. I'm looking at this Jets team. I saw that Thursday night debacle in New England, and I'm with you, Bill. I think we are going to destroy these guys. Geno Smith has already taken nine sacks this year against the Patriots defense who didn't even come close. Well, maybe once they might have gotten a fingertip on E.J. Manuel's jersey. And this is against supposedly a good New York Jets offensive line. I think with Mike Pettin's defense and being able to confuse quarterbacks, which, by the way, we said last week before Cam Newton, we were able to confuse Tom Brady on a couple occasions, which, which lent a little bit of confidence in how we'd go up against Cam Newton. 
I think Geno Smith is going to be completely lost out there. Yeah, and, you know, I think one of the things that we can expect is that, you know, we will get to him several times and we will confuse him. He may have a couple where he rolls out and it's sort of like the broken play and he ends up scrambling for, you know, 10, 15 yards and we're going to be a little bit frustrated. But, uh, you know, I, so I, I really wouldn't be surprised if that happens, but it's not going to be sustainable. It's not going to be something that's going to win them the game. Um, it'll be something that it looks good in, in a highlight reel um, for the Jets. But uh, at the end of the day, we're going to put pressure on him. He's going to make some rookie mistakes and, our defense has been all over the ball lately and, you know, really aggressive out there. You know, look for Leotis to come up with an interception, um, you know, maybe even a, a, a fumble uh, while Mario Williams hits uh, Geno Smith from behind. It'll be interesting. Yeah, no, we haven't talked a whole lot about Mario Williams yet, but Mario Williams now leading the NFL in sacks, set a franchise record with four and a half sacks against the Carolina Panthers, who, by the way, going after mountain of a man, uh, fast mobile quarterback Cam Newton, first overall pick, rookie of the year 2011. wasn't exactly going against, you know, Brady Croyle back there. Yeah. I mean, that- I think uh, it's uh, it has a lot to do with the, the placement of our um, blitz and the fact that it's coming from the other side often and it's delayed and while um, Marley Williams was in, in previous like you know under, under Wanstat was trying to straight up like beat his man all the way to the quarterback like now he can beat his man just enough to um, you know and and the quarterbacks are scrambling away from that blitz and toward him so uh, yeah. it makes it a lot easier for for him to to get in there and, and get those sacks and um, you wonder just uh, if if we were doing some of those same things in the previous couple of years, uh, how different a defense might have been. Well, now, I've said this on message boards and other places before, and one of the things uh, during the offseason when I got to do a podcast with Coach Sal, he identified Mario Williams as the kind of player who needs to be engaged. And I think that's absolutely true. Bill, it's the second time I've said it. you got to watch the mic'd up of Coach Marone because he is twice in Mario Williams' face telling him, like, hey, in the next play, you got to keep doing this, you got to keep doing this, you got to keep after him. He's, he's, he's very hands-on with Mario Williams. Mario Williams is in a scheme now where he's being moved around. I think he's the kind of guy who just needs that little extra bit of coaching. And I don't, I don't particularly think there's anything wrong with that, but he's getting it, and thus far he's having a banner year. So, um, I, again, I don't know if it's going to be him getting the sacks. I, I imagine he will come away from this game with at least one. I share your thoughts. I kind of have a sneaking suspicion that Jairus Bird is going to come back for this game and get like four interceptions or something crazy. Um, but that's a whole other situation that I don't even want to talk about on this podcast. What, uh, what if anything, are you are you worried about? I know you're pretty confident in uh, in our ability as I, as I am to to uh, you know put up some points and and beat them pretty handily. But is there anything that you're worried about? Yes, um, Mike Pettin learned this defense from Rex Ryan, so we're going to be seeing some tricky things from them, just like we always do. Uh, Our offense has traditionally struggled against theirs, with one exception. And that, another guy we haven't talked about today, C.J. Spiller. In both Jets games last year, he had several big plays, and I think we're going to see that again this Sunday. For whatever reason, he just comes up big against the Jets. He's not good against the Patriots. He's great against the Jets. I think we're going to see that on Sunday, a couple big plays from him. He broke the century mark this, this past game. He was hitting those cutback lanes that he missed the week prior. I think he's going to have a big game. 
I think EJ Manuel is going to struggle, comparatively speaking, in this game as he has in the past, or compared to the first two games. Um, so what I'm worried about is that those struggles might turn into costly turnovers, pick sixes, fumbles, recover for touchdown. And if that happens, that's going to be the difference in this game. Uh, I think costly turnovers are, are what's going to kill us. Hopefully we stop making those penalties that I, I will argue till my last day that that penalty on Frank Summers was a terrible, terrible call. might have been the right call, but there's, there's letter of the law and there's spirit of the law, and I don't think a referee makes that call in that situation to let a team off the hook that way. But either way, we can't have any more of those penalties. I don't think that's going to be an issue against the Jets, and they're a penalty-prone team enough as it is that it will probably even out even if we do take some boneheaded penalties. But we cannot afford bad turnovers, kind of like we had on Sunday against Carolina in enemy territory, because the Jets will capitalize on those. Very well said, Lars. (laughs) Thank you, Bill. Uh, So, okay, great. Well, we're both feeling real confident about this game. Uh, let's, uh, Let's get into the wild card and prediction portion of the show. Well, we're getting to the end of the episode here, so that can only mean one thing. It's time for the wild card portion of our show. Wild card. So it's mid-September now. Uh, the temperature has certainly dropped here in Chicago. Uh, it's it's full-on cold out there. Uh, it was a terrible storm last night. We had some really bad hail. And last week in New England, the, the Jets played in an absolute monsoon. So there's a lot of weather-related News, a lot of weather-related action right now. We got terrible flooding in Colorado. Oh, yeah. Just, just a lot, just a lot of weather going on right now. Yep. So, if you could pick any player on this Bills team to report your weather every evening on the local news, who would it be and why? My pick's gonna be Marcel Darius. Damn it, that was mine. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. <laughs> you may have a more intricate uh, answer than mine, but mine is simply that. He reminds me of Al Roker. Yes, yes. <laughs> and you know he's just going to be big, goofy, and jolly. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. He's a, he, he's a fun guy. You know, he would have fun with it. Uh, part, of the, part of the reason why you watch the weather is you know the guy is probably going to be wrong, right? So you've got, it's got to be someone who you connect with that has some personality that, uh, you know, sort of brightens up your day even when it's cloudy and rainy. And I think Marcel Darius would be fantastic at doing that. Well, all right. Well, okay, if we're going to stick with the, uh, uh, the, the thick bills, uh, make good weather, man, uh, then I'm going to say Frank Summers because if he keeps up with this bad play, he's going to need a new career anyways. But he's already got, like, the crazy, like, Caribbean dreads. Like, he looks like he just got back from the Bahamas all the time. Um, I think he would look good in a great, look great in a grass skirt for when the weather gets warm again. Uh, I've never heard the guy talk. Uh, for all I know, he could speak Spanish, but uh, uh, I think that he would he would look good, pretty goofy up there. You're forgetting what his last name is, by the yeah, way. Oh, it's also Summers, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 and that's, that's true, because uh, weathermen tend to have like ironic names, like Amy Freeze here in Chicago. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right, well, I like that. I like that one. That was a good, that was a good wild card. Uh, so we're both feeling confident about the win. I think you and I are both going to predict wins. What do you think the final score of this game is going to be on Sunday? I think we win this game 31-16. to 16. Interesting. I was actually going to say 31-10, and I'm going to stay with 31-10. Uh, this is, of course, assuming that wild stuff doesn't happen. Uh, you know, if we give up a couple turnovers or whatever, it could be a little closer, but I really don't see us winning by less than 10 points. We've been wrong before. Hopefully we're not wrong this time. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us this week on our podcast, BillsAndBeers.com, best way to find us and keep in touch. Subscribe on iTunes. Tell all your friends. And until next week, go Bills. 
Go Bills. The Bills make me wanna shout.